Good Bone Health makes active aging possible. Join us for inspiring conversations from diverse perspectives in osteoporosis, from patients, healthcare providers, caregivers, policymakers, researchers, advocates, and innovators. Protect your ability to live your best life. The information and opinions expressed in Bone Talk are not intended to replace the services of trained and qualified health professionals or to be a substitute for medical advice of physicians. You may review the National Osteoporosis Foundation's full medical disclaimer at nof.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Barbara Hannah Grufferman, Bone Health Ambassador and Trustee of the National Osteoporosis Foundation. Welcome to another episode of Bone Talk. This podcast is the first in our three-part series on menopause and bone health. There is a life-changing event that almost every woman experiences. It's often misunderstood, wreaks havoc in our bodies, head to toe, inside and out, for which we are usually not prepared, and for a lot of people, is still considered a taboo topic. Yep, you guessed it, menopause. Approximately 6,000 women in the U.S. reach menopause every single day. By 2020, 50 million women will be postmenopausal. And think this one over, everyone. Because we are all living longer, most of us will spend over half our lives as a postmenopausal woman. Menopause not only causes hot flashes, a very common and annoying symptom, which we'll talk about shortly, but it's also a hot topic. Given the uptick in conversations among women I'm starting to see on social media, I think that menopause just might be coming out of the closet. Here to help us understand what happens to our bodies and particularly our bones before, during, and after menopause is a leading reproductive endocrinologist from NYU Langone Health in New York City, an incredible woman and beloved physician I've had the pleasure of knowing for over 20 years. Dr. Margaret Noctegall is Clinical Associate Professor, Department of OBGYN in the Division of Reproductive Endocrine at NYU Langone Health. She is also a faculty advisor for the Violet Society Program, which is the mentor and career advisor program for NYU medical students. Dr. Noctegall can often be heard on SiriusXM Doctor Radio and has appeared several times on Dr. Oz, as well as other daytime shows. Welcome to Bone Talk, Margaret. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, before we start our chat, give our listeners an overview of menopause and the physical as well as some of the psychological changes that occur for women during this time. Absolutely. Well, you know, menopause, as you know, Barbara, is the cessation of ovarian function. It is when all the eggs in the ovary have depleted. And because the ovary is no longer working, the ovary, which usually produces estrogen, is no longer making any estrogen. And once estrogen is depleted, the body is devoid of the estrogen that it had been getting. Women will experience no longer having any periods. And because we have estrogen all over the body, we have receptors for estrogen everywhere, that means that we have the potential to have symptoms everywhere. In other words, hot flushes, difficulty sleeping. Many women experience mood changes and memory problems. 
It's often hard to find the nouns, such as people's names and objects. In addition, women can experience a lack of sex drive. And later on, as menopause continues, vaginal dryness, pain on intercourse, and one of the key areas is that they can develop heart disease. And what we're really going to focus on today is bone loss, osteopenia, and osteoporosis. Estrogen is so important for bone health that the lack of estrogen, which is the beginning of menopause, is where we start to see this decline in bone. You know, one of the things that's most intriguing to me about menopause, and I myself did go through menopause. Luckily, it wasn't so horrific. I, I think I was one of the lucky few. But the thing about menopause is that, when you know, we think about, like you said, the hot flashes and the sleepless nights and, and forgetting things. But, but those really can be temporary. Sometimes they last longer than we would like, but they're considered temporary symptoms, whereas Menopause has this profound effect on our bodies that goes much deeper and much longer lasting than any of those other symptoms, such as on our bones. And that's what I really want people to start thinking about. So you mentioned the drop in estrogen has the impact on our bone health, but why does that happen? Like, why does that happen? Right. Well, it's really, really interesting. I mean, bone physiology is really fascinating. What some people don't recognize is that our bones are constantly going through regeneration, that we have cells in our body that are always laying down new bone, and we have other cells that are basically eating up the old bone and getting rid of the bad or old bone that doesn't need to exist. So it's this constant state of what we call formation and resorption. And what's amazing is that estrogen both decreases the resorption and increases the formation. So estrogen allows bone to remain healthy. And when people don't have estrogen, that's a time when what happens is there's more resorption and less formation. So the balance is changed. And not everyone develops the same amount of bone loss. There are some people who start out with very strong, healthy bones. And those people, even if they do lose some bone, don't get to a critical level. Other people whose bones may not be as strong to start with, when they lose the bone, that brings them to a very low level. It really is so, as I like to say, menopause is it's universal, but it's also very personal, meaning everybody goes through it, but it's very personal how each one of us experiences it, as you just pointed out. So really, the thing that I also like people to focus on is not so much how to maintain the health of their bones once they're going through menopause and beyond, but also what they can do to focus on their bones earlier. Because as you just said, if your bones are more dense and stronger, when you get to this point, then chances are better that you won't experience that level of bone loss. Even though, as you also pointed out, everybody who goes through menopause and their estrogen levels do drop, they will experience some level of bone 
loss, correct? I mean, this is just the reality. Right. Inevitable. Right. And correct. Barbara, you, you used a word that I love, which is individual. And I think that that's so important in everything in menopause, excuse me, not only menopause, but medicine in general, which mm-hmm. is that no two people are exactly the same. And everyone is going to experience their menopause differently. Their bones are different. All of this is different for each person. But one thing that we can generalize is what can we do earlier to protect our bones, to keep them healthy while we're younger, to prepare for this time? And then also, what can we do when menopause exists and how can we keep our bones as healthy as possible? So one of the things that we know is that vitamin D is very helpful to keeping the bones healthy. We know that exercise is helpful and keeping our bones strong. And we really like to enforce these, the lifestyle factors, which can help people to decrease their risk of developing bone loss. Margaret, you know my story. We've known each other for about 22 years now. And you know that I was thinking about a lot of things around when I turned 50 and what it all meant. And around that time, I was walking my dog and fell and broke my my arm. And my very good doctor, my PCP, said, why in the world did you break your arm? You're only 50. You didn't fall right. a great distance. And let's find right. out. And that's when I went for my first bone density. It hadn't even crossed my mind to get a bone density. Right. My bones were not ever on my mind. I must tell you that. Like never in exactly. my life until that happened because I had never broken right. anything up until that point. And it was only, only at that point, and by the way, I had already gone through menopause. It was really kind of at the tail end of it, I should say, that I realized that I had, in fact, low bone density, osteopenia. But I never would have known that had I not fallen. So that's the silver lining of my falling and breaking the bone. And I think that's so important because I think that it, you, you had a warning right there I think one of the things about bones and bone loss is that there really are no symptoms. We talk about osteopenia. You you mentioned the word osteopenia, which is a low bone mass. And that means that someone does a bone density, that they are between one standard deviation below the normal and 2.5 standard deviations below the normal. And then we define osteoporosis, which is you know, a lower bone density as less than 2.5 standard deviations below the mean. But no people, unless they've had a fracture, they don't have symptoms. Bone loss doesn't cause pain. It doesn't cause joint dysfunction. People often say that they have symptoms, which then brought them to a doctor, and then the doctor got a bone density. But bone loss itself really doesn't have any symptoms. Dr. Nottegall, Margaret, dear Margaret, can't we safely say to our listeners right now that you must go on the assumption that when you get older and go through menopause, your bones will lose density. You should just go on that assumption and then do everything right for your bones as best you can, as early as you can, leading up to that point. Would you agree with that? I would agree with that. I think there's no reason not to keep your bones as healthy as possible. I think the other thing is to point out who are the people who are at most risk. The people that are at Mm -hmm. most risk are those people that have, who are losing estrogen, who are not taking estrogen, who are not exposed. People who have led a 
sedentary lifestyle, people who are not exercising, who have less stress on their bones, people who get inadequate nutrition, so people who have been starved either electively or non-electively, people who have malabsorption diseases, people who have not had adequate vitamin D, people who smoke. Actually, this is something that um, many people don't recognize, that smoking brings bone densities down compared to non-smokers about 5 to 10%. And it has been shown in multiple studies that there are increased fractures and a decreased effect of, the, of estrogen on bone in smokers. So people who have smoked for a great part of their lives, those are people who should be more in tune and really working to improve their bones and might be people who might benefit from getting a bone density earlier. And also too much alcohol, another risk factor. And excessive Um, alcohol, absolutely mm -hmm. another risk factor, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you see how healthy living, healthy habits, if you will, like not smoking, not drinking too much alcohol, if you do drink, exercising, eating better, all of these things not only have a positive impact on our bone health, as you just pointed out, but really on our heart, on our brains. And that's why I like to say when people start to get overwhelmed and think, oh, I have to do a program for that and a program for that and a different program. No, you really don't. Just live a healthy life and chances are much better that your bones will be better. Correct? Yeah, and you are a huge proponent of that, and I love that. I also, Mm -hmm. there are some people that are doing everything right and really living that perfect life, but genetically they are more prone to bone loss. So thinking about if there's a family history of Mm -hmm. osteoporosis is also really important, and there are some medications. If people are taking a long course of steroids, or they're taking any anti-seizure medication, or they're on any blood thinners such as heparin, or they've been in bed for a long period of time for any reason, those can all have a negative effect on the bone. So those people should also talk to their doctors about bone health and what they can do to reverse those effects. One thing that's really very frustrating for someone who is on the board of the National Osteoporosis Foundation, very focused on bone health, is that, like I told you with my story, I fell, broke my arm around age 50, and that's when I discovered my osteopenia. But for your typical woman, hopefully she won't break her arm. And so right now, the recommendations are that women get a bone density test if they haven't broken something, if they haven't broken anything, right. by age 65, men at 70, we at the National Osteoporosis Foundation have been talking internally about, well, maybe it's time to rethink those guidelines. Maybe it's time to right. have women get bone density tests early, even if they haven't broken anything. At the very least, it might cause them to say, oh, my goodness. I have low bone density, I better take action. Because sometimes that's what people need. Because like you said, you don't feel it, you don't see it. There are no symptoms really, uh, unless it's severe osteoporosis. You know, that's a whole different story. And that's, this is a, you know, a frustrating thing. It really is. And I use the National Osteoporosis Foundation guideline 
when I'm advising patients, which is just as you said, that all women over the age of 65 and men over the age of 70, regardless of their risk factors, get a bone density, and that younger women, you know, those 50 to 70 say, if they have clinical risk factors, go ahead and get their bone densities. But I must say there are commonly scenarios where people, even if they haven't broken something, uh, really do need an earlier bone density. So I think you're really right on that. I mean, the, the statistics on fractures, 15% of all women by the time they're 80 will have broken a hip, and that can be life-threatening, really. But and, you know my um, mother fell and broke her hip, Margaret. You know all about that. I know, mm-hmm. I know. And, you know, 10 million women, I think, um, or 10 million people do qualify as having osteoporosis. In our country, 40 to 50% of all women over the age of 50 at some point will suffer some fracture. So this is an extremely high number. So I think what you said before is so true, which is let's do whatever we can as early as possible to keep these bones that we have as healthy as possible. Absolutely. And we also know that there is something called peak bone mass as you know, and our bones are at our strongest and most dense when we're in our you know, 20s and the late 20s, early 30s. And then from there, they do start to decline. And of course, that uh, decline accelerates as one goes through menopause. So there is a lot we can do way before then, starting in uh, childhood, really making sure that you know our kids, our youth are drinking milk, uh, getting calcium and exercising and not focusing so much on the, uh, the tablet and the video games and the like. Uh, we must see a reversal of that lifestyle trend if we want to see the Light next generation. You know, right? I mean, this is really not drinking too much, not smoking, right? These are all really important things that we can do. And I guess we should probably then talk about well, what if people haven't done that? And what if they do find out that they do have a low bone density? Finding out earlier, like you did, and you were able to really reverse that. So I think that they can look at different options in terms of what they can do with medications, obviously with Mm -hmm. vitamin D. Absolutely. Wonderful medications that are available to us. And and as you've been saying, and we both agree, we're all individuals. Not one medication may not be right for the next person, but there are enough different medications to help with bone loss that certainly there's a nice array to, to investigate with your healthcare provider. Right. Uh, now, I always like to say right, I have been very fortunate. I Yes, you're right. I took action. I started really exercising. I started running, as you know, Margaret. I'm a marathoner now, training for my next uh, New York City marathon. Multiple, and, multiple, uh, multiple marathoner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and doing all kinds of really good things for myself. And I have been able to maintain my low bone bone density, meaning I haven't gone to full-fledged osteoporosis. But I always say, if my doctor says, Barbara, you know, your numbers are going in a direction I'm not comfortable with, we now need to consider medication, I will absolutely, absolutely consider medication. So I just want our audience to know that that is always a consideration. I think we always like to say food and exercise and lifestyle first, medications if needed. 
right? Right. And I, I think also right around the time of menopause and even as people are in what's called perimenopause, which is that transitional period before menopause, this is a great time to bring up the idea of if hormone therapy is right for you. In other words, let's think about the bones as part of the picture of menopause. It's not just, are you having hot flushes? Are you having any other symptoms of menopause? But do I need estrogen for my bones? Because the timing of hormone therapy is really important. We've learned that if you start estrogen within the first five years after menopause, there are a lot of benefits in terms of heart disease and, of course, bone protection. However, if you wait too long, greater than nine years, then it really has a negative effect on the heart. So I think bringing the bone into the discussion is a great way to think about hormone therapy. Absolutely. And Margaret, I don't want to give too much away, but I'm going to give the, our listeners a little teaser. This is, as I mentioned, a three-part series. This is episode number one in the series. And the next one, number two, will focus on hormone therapy and other options for you know, experiencing menopause. But, so we will go into that in episode number two. So please, listeners, do, uh, do stay tuned for that. Margaret, what are the two to three things you would like our listeners to take away from our conversation today? Great question. I think the most important thing is to live a healthy life, to don't smoke, get adequate amounts of vitamin D, exercise regularly, not excessively, get enough food, seek medical attention if you do have any questions about your bone or to be healthy, and to think about your bones. That's what I would like people to learn. Oh, thank you. Margaret, you know what? Our listeners learn so much today. I always learn when I'm talking with you. So I really want to thank you for sharing your knowledge about menopause and bone health with all of us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I really love talking to you. I could talk forever. So thank you for including me. Everyone, this is a three-part series, as I said. So be sure to check back at nof.org or wherever you are accessing this podcast for the next episode. And everyone, I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Bone Talk as much as I enjoyed talking with our wonderful guest, Dr. Margaret Noctegal. You can learn more about menopause by going to the North American Menopause Society website at www.menopause.org. We heard Dr. Nottagall's insights into how we can prepare ourselves for strong bones before, during, and after menopause. But we want to hear from you, too. So please visit www.nof.org and go to Share Your Story and tell us what you are doing to stay bone strong. Remember, the more we stay connected, the stronger we will be. For more information about how to keep your bones strong and healthy for life, please visit nof.org regularly for up-to-the-minute information. And please, if you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, and if you learned something new and helpful, do these two things. One, subscribe to Bone Talk so you never miss an episode. And two, please share with all your friends and family And maybe consider making a small donation to NOF so we can keep these programs and research going. Until next time, remember this. We can't control getting older, but we can control how we do it. 
Thank you and bye for now. Thank you for joining Bone Talk, the National Osteoporosis Foundation's podcast that shares information, strategies, and inspiration about good bone health that makes active aging possible. To learn more about bone health, to become involved and or help fuel NOF's mission with financial support, visit nof.org.